This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we have a fun podcast planned for you today. We were fortunate to get an invitation to ESPN Daily to hang out with our buddy Pablo. And we always have a wonderful time talking WNBA, college women's basketball with Pablo. So this will happen in three sections. First quarter, we have a conversation about Paige Beckers and her freshman season at UConn. Second quarter, we talk about just NCAA women's basketball in general, including my final four sleeper teams. And the third quarter, we will round it off by getting into the WNBA transactions during free agency headlined by Candace Parker's move to Chicago. And in the fourth quarter, we're going West coast. We are going over to the number eight UCLA Bruins to talk about charisma Osborne. One thing we like to do on around the rim is talk about some of the players you may not be hearing enough about on the national scene, but charisma is one that you should No, you look at some of her numbers over the course of this season. It's extremely impressive. She's second in the Pac-12 at scoring, 19 points per game. She had at least 20 points in seven straight games from January 3rd to February 7th. And that's significant because that streak is the longest by a UCLA player over the last 20 seasons. And the last time a Pac-12 player has had seven straight 20-point games in the season was Cal's Christine Anigwe who had seven straight from 2018 to 2019. So she has been on a a scoring tear. I mean, she's just been uh, fantastic and a big fan of Corey Close, who's a national coach of the year candidate and what they're doing at UCLA. So um, tap into the fourth quarter to hear from Charisma. But first, we will head to the first quarter in ESPN Daily. First quarter. Becker's giving it up to Nelson Adota. Back to Beckers, who will let it fly. <laughs> the magic of Paige Beckers. You bet. Wow. Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. That is the kind of awe that UConn basketball star Paige Beckers inspires. And she is only a freshman. Today, what makes her game special? And whether she can bring the Huskies back to the top? Then, it's been a headline-making offseason for the WNBA, so we break down a league that has been rising on and off the court. I'm Pablo Torre. LaChina, it is great to have you back on the show. It is always wonderful to be with you, Pablo. Thanks for having me. LaChina Robinson hosts the Around the Rim podcast and serves as a basketball analyst and calls games for ESPN. So you are an extremely busy person, LaChina. You just came off calling a game like minutes ago. Describe to me what your life is like in this new kind of era of broadcasting. How is it going? 
Well, Pablo, I can pretty much sum that up in about three words. In the house. That is where I spend a majority of my time these days. (laughs) I'm in the house, calling games, watching film, and that's pretty much my life right now. I come to you, LaChina, from a bunk bed inside an Airbnb, so I feel all of your pain. And I want to get into women's basketball with you, of course, and we'll get to the professionals in a little bit. But I want to start by asking you about the really the single biggest name that's been dominating the college game pretty much all year as a freshman. And that is Paige Beckers. A fresh possession here for UConn. Beckers with the mid-range and silky smooth on that shot. How would you begin to describe Paige Beckers for someone who's unfamiliar with what she's been up to at UConn? Uh, Well, Pablo, the word coming out of stores was that Paige Beckers was going to be the next coming of Brianna Stewart or Diana Taurasi, right? So that's high praise. No pressure. Yeah, none at all. She was the number one overall recruit in the 2020 class, and her arrival in college women's basketball was highly anticipated. Williams, strong on the three. Beckers with the rebound and the putback. The first Becker's bucket of her UConn career. We were literally salivating and watching her highlights from high school, wondering (laughs) if she would be the player to finally get Connecticut back to winning championships. Since keep in mind, they lost in the final four in the last three tournaments, pretty much ever since Brianna Stewart left. Well, Mm. Paige Beckers is not only a great player, she has 649,000 Instagram followers, more than (laughs) UConn legend Sue Bird, by the way. So when she became the first player in UConn history with three straight 30-point games, we knew something special was happening, and she really hasn't disappointed. I mean, her perfect field goal performance in the last five minutes versus number one South Carolina, that was quite the epic performance. Beckers from around the screen, caught for the lead. And set the stage for what we've been seeing from Paige. So her game and her style of play, how would you characterize it? What's made her so dominant as just a freshman making a debut this impressive? Well, at 5'11", Paige really makes the game easier for everyone else on the court. Um, well, except her opponents, of course. Uh, she's an elite passer. Beckers feeds a wide open Nelson Adota. Perfect pass. Her mid-range game is hard to stop, so she can make tough twos. Beckers on the run out. The big Euro step up and in off the glass. And last but not least, she is shooting 55% from three-point land, which she makes three of those a game. Beckers fires. That's three. That's never a bad choice, though, giving it to Beckers. She can stroke it from behind the arc. She does some really special things in transition with the basketball, so that brings a lot of entertainment as well when you're watching her. But in the end, she just has a complete game. And when the going gets tough, when her team is in the crunch, on the big stage, Paige makes plays. So, LaChina, that question that you mentioned at the top, can she be better even or on par with some of these greats that have come through UConn? Where does she fit into that lineage right now? Because I saw a Hartford Current headline that asked, is Paige Beckers the best freshman that UConn women's basketball has ever had? Is that insane to contemplate? Where are we on that? You know, while the name Diana Taurasi is still floating around, it would be hard for me to say that Paige Beckers is the best freshman in UConn history. I mean, 
again, it was a very different freshman season even for Diana Taurasi because she had more talent around her. But I would say that this UConn team is playing to the level of that team from Diana's freshman year or even the team from Brianna Stewart's uh, freshman year. And I consider them the two best players in UConn history. So I'm not quite ready to give Paige that yet. Your legacy in UConn women's basketball is made in the tournament. It's a little early to start having that conversation right now, but hey, we may look hindsight in March and say she was the best. And as always with UConn LaChina, it doesn't stop with this star freshman. There's going to be someone else down the pike. And that person seems to be AZ Fudd, who's the next big star to come to stores in the fall. So what are you expecting from AZ Fudd? How does she fit into what Paige Beckers has been building? Well, Pablo, let me tell you this. AZ Fudd is the truth. And the scouting report before Fudd even committed to UConn was that she was going to play for the Huskies. She and Paige Beckers are really good friends. This is a win, win, win for Gino Auriemma. And I went out to the Bay when Steph Curry had his Under Armour Elite Camp for boys. And this was the first time he actually invited girls to the camp. And AZ Fudd was there. Cameron Brink was there. AZ beat the boys in the three-point shooting contest. After I finished, I looked over to like the crowd to see everyone, and all I saw were all the boys jumping up and like running over to me. So I guess I beat him. What I didn't know was that Steph was going to shoot after me. Steph definitely beat me in that round, but I won for the campers. So and Steph was thoroughly impressed with how much <laughs> of a pure shooter. She is. And that is really what stands out to you about AZ Fudd is she can knock down shots. So when you add that to Paige Becker's ability to create and her passing, whoo, UConn's going to be trouble for years to come. Second quarter, inside the huddle. So as the tournament goes, I do want to look ahead here because somehow it is mid-February, which means that March is somehow right around the corner. So who else is worth keeping an eye on as March approaches beyond the Huskies here? Who surprised you? Who are you watching for? Well, the NCAA Women's Basketball Committee just had their first reveal this week, and the top four seeds were South Carolina, UConn, Louisville, and Stanford. And I agree that those are all contenders. However, my leaderboard for favorites to win a national championship are definitely NC State and the Michigan Wolverines. Now, NC State has a balanced upperclassmen team led by who I think are two of the best 3-4 combo players in the country in Jakia Brown-Turner and Kayla Jones. And they also have an All-American center in Elisa Kunain. The key word with them is upperclassmen. Now, Michigan is probably a surprise as a Final Four pick, but they have arguably the best undersized post in the country in Nas Hillman. She stands at 6'2", but don't forget she put up a 50-point, 16-rebound game already this season on the road against Ohio State. Michigan, like NC State, again, they have those veterans. And in a season like this where COVID has been bumpy, there's been shutdowns, just a different type of year. I just think the teams that have juniors and seniors that are steady and have been through the battles are going to be some of the favorites. So, China, the theme running under all of this from your job at home to what you just described there with the tournament chaos is the fact that this pandemic is upending everything. And we're sort of hearing that, okay, maybe some of the conference tournaments might be canceled entirely. Obviously, there have been postponements, cancellations due to COVID-19. How would you describe what the rest of this run through the tournament is going to look like? 
Yeah, Pablo, one of my concerns with the NCAA tournament is that with all the COVID shutdowns we have seen, and don't get me wrong, the conference offices and even the coaches have done a great job of rescheduling and moving pieces around. I don't think that can be done with the NCAA tournament. So if you get a positive test the day before your first round game and you have to shut down for 10 days of the NCAA tournament, your tournament's over. And that would be heartbreaking. You know, so the NCAA really has their work cut out for them in creating a bubble in Texas for the women's tournament um, for the biggest three weeks of college basketball season. And I don't think it's going to be easy. And unfortunately, I think we may see COVID have an impact on who raises the trophy on that final day. And to get you on the record, as you look into your crystal ball here, you've named a couple of contenders that you really like. Who do you think is, provided that we get to this point safely, who do you think is going to win this whole thing, LaChina? Well, again, I really like NC State. I like Michigan as kind of my surprise team, but I'm going to go with the South Carolina Gamecocks. They were robbed last season, Don Staley's crew, of their opportunity as they were the number one team in all of college basketball headed into what was supposed to be the NCAA tournament. That didn't happen. I think they come back, they steal it, they get revenge. I'm going with South Carolina. Third quarter, scouting report. So, LaChina, I think the biggest story of the offseason for the professionals was Candace Parker officially joining the Chicago Sky, her hometown team, as an unrestricted free agent. Back to our breaking news from the WNBA former WNBA MVP, Candace Parker is committed to play for the Chicago Sky after 13 seasons with the L.A. Sparks sources telling Ramona Shelburne. And it's worth noting here, Candace Parker was an institution basically in Los Angeles with the Sparks, but she signs this two-year deal that seemed to be a very strategic decision that would allow her to finish her career in her hometown of Chicago. So what did you think when you heard the news? Well, Pablo, I'm not going to lie. The writing was on the wall that Candace Parker might be on the move. Now, this is all speculation, as Candace Parker has laid out that this decision had a lot to do with returning home. Uh, regarding anywhere else, no. It was Chicago or Los Angeles were, and have always been my only two places that I wanted to play. I, I felt like the basketball that's in front of me, I wanted to play in, in Chicago. But the T is that I'm not sure how much Parker was buying into what Derek Fisher was selling. Mm. Now, he is now both the GM and head coach of the team. Um, and the Sparks lost Chelsea Gray in free agency to Vegas, who Parker was very close to. We all know about the famous benching of Candace Parker by Derek Fisher two years ago in the playoffs that didn't go well. Are you are you physically okay? I'm physically, you... mentally, okay. everything's fine. There's okay. nothing wrong with me. Okay. You surprised that you didn't get the game more? Yes, for fish. And Candace has a very well-documented history when it comes to coaches and leadership of the L.A. Sparks. So while this is definitely a trend that we're seeing in the WNBA as a result of, of a great CBA, a lot of player movement, um, you know, I am not sure Parker felt like she was set up for success in L.A., but that's just me. So, LaChina, if you could remind us about this new CBA, it's a big deal. It's a collective bargaining agreement that kicks in this season. How big a deal was it? What were the major topics that it covered? 
Yeah, Pablo, that's a good question, especially as we're looking at free agency movement, because in my opinion, this was more of a holistic CBA. And I think that's impacted how players have looked holistically at their lives. For example, yes, there was an increase in salary for players. Um, They can earn up to $215,000, at least starting off in this first phase. Um, There was upgrade to travel. They no longer have to share rooms, which may seem like a small thing to us. Us, but it's huge to these professionals. Mm. Paid maternity leave was a part of that and ensuring that these players that, um, you know, want to be planning for the family side of their lives can get paid if they um, happen to take a year off. There's new fertility benefits as well for family planning. Um, other changes are uh, marketing monies were added to team budgets so they can pay players in the offseason that don't want to go overseas and play. Um, just an increased overall investment and a potential for a 50-50 revenue split for the WNBA and its players by 2021, which could bring even more money into the picture for these players. So when you take in Candace Parker changing teams as she did, LaChina, what is her sort of seizing her own agency here and making this choice for herself? What does that say to you about the WNBA and her? And how rare is that sort of a decision? It's not very rare. And even before this CBA, you know, there's been players that have forced trades because, again, these women in the structure of their lives is very different in that they spend so much time overseas playing. When they're playing in the WNBA, they want to try to be close to home. They want to be playing in a situation where, you know, they're not just um thinking about what's happening in terms of the encore, but also everything, all different aspects of their life. So it's not necessarily that new, but we are seeing more trends where free agents are are making moves. And I think, you know, Candace Parker felt very, it seemed liberated in a way by making this decision because the expectation is often that you're going to spend your entire career in Seattle because you're Sue Bird or you're going to spend your entire, entire career in Phoenix if you're Diana Taurasi, um, you know, but that's not for everyone and that's okay. Candace Parker deciding to go closer to home seems to be very much in line, not only with what we're seeing in the WNBA with trends, but just in our world in general. China, I need you to help me make sense of some other really big moves that took place this offseason because free agency has been open since January 15th. And after the dust settled, I'm looking at this list of enormous trades. We have the Dallas Wings ending up with the first overall pick in this year's draft. We have the Seattle Storm getting Katie Lou Samuelson at forward. We have the New York Liberty, as you alluded to before, getting star forward Natasha Howard. So starting with the Liberty, I suppose, let's work backwards here. They were the team that was the worst in the WNBA bubble. What does the addition of Natasha Howard do for their pre-existing aspirations and their pre-existing young star in Sabrina Ionescu? Yeah, well, there was a lot of excitement around Sabrina Ionescu's arrival. And unfortunately, as you know, that was cut short due to her injury. And I think that definitely impacted the type of season um, that New York had last year overall. But Natasha Howard is an interesting WNBA player. I mean, she had a stretch where she was arguably the most decorated player in the WNBA because the championships were literally following her. She went from Minnesota winning a championship to Seattle winning two. That's three rings in four years with two different teams. 
And she's been Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved Player Award. Um, But second-year head coach Walt Hopkins of the New York Liberty coached Howard when he was an assistant at Minnesota. So he knows her game. And Sabrina Unescu in an offense that requires versatile forwards, Howard is going to fit perfectly. And there's an automatic trust with Walt Hopkins. So the championship right now, it resides in Seattle with the Seattle Storm. And they acquired Katie Lou Samuelson. They have Kiki Herbert Harrigan. They'll probably get Sue Bird back. It's looking like their veteran guard, who was last seen, by the way, on the cover of GQ. How does all of this impact LaChina, their chances of making another championship run? Well, Seattle still has their work cut out for them, in all honesty, Pablo, because Natasha Howard is gone. um, And to me, she was a big part of what they did. I mean, she was the perfect complement to Brianna Stewart. And they also lost Alicia Clark to D.C., who was arguably their most underrated player as a defender and a shot maker. Now, the cupboard is not bare. Yes, they have Sue Bird. They have Jewel Lloyd and the reigning MVP of the finals, Brianna Stewart. But those complementary pieces become more important as the league has had um, some teams that are now stacked coming off of this free agency period. I think it's yet to be seen what moves help Seattle. So I want to get here to the Dallas Wings because they now have the number one overall pick in this year's draft in May. What do you think they're going to do with this pick, LaChina? And what do they have going for them headed into this new season? <laughs> well, I think this number one pick is going to end up with Charlie Collier if she decides to go to the WNBA. But Dallas has a very exciting young team behind the league's leading scorer in Enrique Gumbawale, a young star in Satu Sabli, a new head coach in WNBA legend Vicki Johnson. And Dallas needs that centerpiece that will be the future of the franchise on the court, but also a captivating personality off the court. Um, and she also has a relentless work ethic that is great for young culture. So as we now ask you to do something very unreasonable and predict and look into your crystal ball once again, this time on a season that has not even started yet, LaChina, what are you seeing? What is your crystal ball telling you in terms of who should be the favorite, at least, to win this WNBA title? Well, going back to Chicago, how could you not just be looking forward to the combination of Courtney Vandersloot, Diamond Shields, and Candace Parker playing together, right? And let's not forget about Allie Quigley. Now, again, Chicago's been so close to getting over the hump. Uh, you have to kind of start with the conversation there. But Bill Lambeer has reloaded with Chelsea Gray, adding the microwave Raquana Williams to a clutch team that's deep with Angel McCautry, fifth player of the year in Dierica Hamby and the league MVP in Asia Wilson. Now, will Liz Cambage play? We're not sure, but if she does, it is over for everyone else. Um, And my last favorite is the Washington Mystics, and they're probably number one on my list. Alicia Clark was the perfect addition with the style of play that Mike Tebow wants, but we will finally get to see Tina Charles and Elena Deladon on the court together, and that, along with Natasha Cloud, hoping she signs any day now, sounds like the recipe for a WNBA championship to me. So, China, before I let you go here, I also do want to zoom out for a second because... 
The story of the WNBA over the last year or so has been about a lot more than just the basketball. It's been about how this league has been at the forefront of a movement and conversation around social and racial justice in America. And how do you see that conversation continuing in the WNBA as the season progresses this year? Do you think that's going to continue? How is it going to evolve? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is how do you follow up helping to flip the Senate? I mean, what we saw happen last summer and then into the Georgia Senate race is historical when you look through the lens of athlete activism. But what I know for sure is that these women are very in touch with who they are. Um, as people in society, as Black women, as a majority Black league. And so that won't stop because it's the fabric of who they are. And if there's something that I would say is very special about the WNBA is that, you know, they know what they stand for and they are not willing to compromise that at all. Yeah, I would point out flipping the Senate. I don't know how you follow that up with an encore. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough. Going to be tough. <laughs> the China Robinson, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for joining us from your studio, a.k.a. your home. Thank you, Pablo. Always fun with you. Fourth quarter. <laughs> Out of bounds. All right, basketball fans, fourth quarter. I promised you that we were going to talk to a rising star in college women's basketball. And yes, we have Charisma Osborne, the sophomore from UCLA, native of Moreno Valley, California with us. Um, Her specialty is a three-point shot. She's fourth in the Pac-12 with 42 three-point field goals made. And I say that to also say that she has such great balance to her game, the way she drives. She's just one of those players that um, has multiple facets of her game. But we're going to learn also a little bit about charisma off of the court as UCLA women's basketball is doing some important work around social justice. And we're going to hear a little bit about Charisma's roommate, Michaela Onyenwere. Here is Charisma Osborne. All right, basketball fans. Well, um, it's that time of season where we like to go out to the West Coast, which they say is the best coast, but you know I'm an East Coast girl. So, um, and actually a Southern East Coast girl now that I'm in Atlanta. So we'll have to have that debate some other time. But I am so excited to have with us one of the lesser known stars in college women's basketball. And that is none other than sophomore Charisma Osborne of UCLA. Welcome to the show, Charisma. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Now I say lesser known stars because I think when people think about UCLA women's basketball, they think about your roommate, Michaela Onyenwere, who we will get to in a moment. (laughs) But you have had an outstanding season. I mean, when you look across all the statistics and all games, you're the second leading scorer in the Pac-12, not to mention that three-point shot, which is legit. You're third in the conference, shooting just under 40% from long range. You're number one with 2.8 three-point field goals made per game. Excuse this noise outside of my Atlanta place where we've got some sirens going but you get the point like you are having an incredible year what has this season been like for you as a player in terms of what you're accomplished on the court yeah this season has definitely been a little different from last season now that Japrice isn't here anymore 
Um, but before the season, I had a couple conversations with Coach Corey about just like stepping into the new role and just um, being like one of the go-to players on this team. So it's definitely been a change, but a good change. And it's been really fun so far doing it with my teammates. It's a change that you've adjusted to well because of your play and the play of your team. You guys are the number eight team in the country. Um, you have beat some of the better teams in the Pac-12. And not only are you one of the favorites to win the conference, but you're also in the conversation to win a national championship. Now, but let's back up because what I always say to people about UCLA this season is your performance wouldn't indicate what you what you what happened to you guys coming into the season? Because a lot of teams were together back in summer and they had all this time to like work on their plays and gel. But tell us about the lead up for the Lady Bruins because um, there were some challenges. Yeah, we didn't end up getting back um, to school until like, I think towards the end of September. So that was very different for us because we're usually there like during the summer and it was just kind of hard because we did see like other teams getting back together and it like we were kind of nervous that we would be behind. Um, but when we did get back together, we got right to work and um, it's just been really fun like um, competing with my teammates. But yeah, it was definitely different not being back together and like we were all like nervous like are we going to be in shape? Are we going to be ready? Um, but yeah, I think we've been proving that we're ready, even though we have a short roster, um, we've just been proving that we can compete. I just can't even believe, well, I kind of can't believe because I know coach Corey close going back to her days at Florida state, amazing person. She was just announced one of the finalists for the Naismith coach of the year, which is very deserving, but I know that she can kick up some fairy dust and do some magic. So whatever her and Shannon and the staff were doing to get you guys ready, like, what do you think it was that even though you were months behind other teams, you were able to come together so well? Yeah. I think that because we have so many of like our core players from last year, that's just been helpful with just like having experience and like we have a lot of chemistry already. And then, like I said, we only have like, I think like eight or nine players. So like we're always playing together and it's like, we have to have this chemistry because there's only nine of us and we're not competing with five other players for playing time. So just like that chemistry, I think has been helping. And like my teammates, we work really hard in practice and like, we know that we didn't have as much time as every other team. So I think that we just knew that we had to like kind of catch up and like, just try to get ahead. Um, even though that we started late. Speaking of chemistry, I said I was going to bring up your roommate, Michaela Añanuere. Um, tell me what that relationship is like with you two being the best players on the team, also being roommates and, you know, sharing a space during this very challenging time. I'll be honest with you. My cousin is my temporary roommate. And sometimes I'm like, we're in the house all the time together. This is too much. So what, what is it like being roommates with Michaela? Yeah, Michaela's great. <laughs> she is so funny. Um, she's, I mean, you guys see her on the court and she's like so fierce and such a great player, but off the court, she's just like one of the funniest people that I've ever met. Um, and it's just so fun to be around her. And like, we just have such a good time at our apartment. Like our apartment is like the party apartment. Like everyone comes to our apartment. Um, so like, it's just been really fun. Like sometimes we cook one time. 
we cooked a pizza from scratch and that was pretty interesting. It came out pretty good, honestly. So we're, we're not like the cooks of the team. So for us to make a pizza, that was super fun. But yeah, she's just great. Um, she's like a big sister to me. So it's, it's super cool to have her um, around all the time. When you say this pizza came out interesting, now I need to know what kind of toppings were on this pizza and if it was edible or not. It was edible. I'm okay. I'm pretty basic with my pizza. So I just had pepperoni. I think Mick may have had sausage or something and pepperoni. I can't remember, mm. but we just kept it playing because it was our first time and we didn't want to like, you know, just go all out because we didn't know what we were doing yet. So pizza party at the Osborne Onion Wede room, if we ever come to UCLA's yeah. campus. Got yeah. it. Okay, <laughs> log. All right, so let's just backtrack a little bit and talk about little charisma. Give me an idea of how you started playing the game of basketball, what inspired you, and where you want to be one day in your career. Yeah, so if I'm being honest, I wanted to be a cheerleader. Cheer was life when I was younger. Um, and then eventually in middle school, or not middle school, elementary school, like in fourth grade, um, I would play like basketball at recess and stuff. And one day I got a flyer um, from my school, like saying like, join the rec league. And I like took it home to my parents. And I was like, I just want to try it, see how it is. And I started playing and my parents were surprised with like how good I was. And I actually really liked it and enjoyed playing it. So from then I played on a boys like club team and that was a little different than girls just cause like they're faster, like, you know. Um, but after I played with the boys, I moved back to the girls and that was super fun. And I was like, I think I really want to play basketball. And then I just remember getting my first letter. I can't remember what school it was from, but getting my first letter, I thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. I was like, so excited. Like everyone gets the same letters, but I was like, so excited about that. Um, and then I was like, I didn't know like you could get scholarship for basketball. So that was like super cool to just get my first letter. And I was like, yeah, I totally want to do this. And from there on out, I just like really try to work hard so that I can continue to play basketball in college. And then in the future, I hope to play in the WNBA and hopefully maybe the Olympics. That would be super cool. I will tell you the first time I watched you play, first of all, the cheerleader thing, don't be ashamed of that. I wanted to be a cheerleader when I first started. And I say ashamed because not, I mean, cheerleading is a very hard sport. It's very competitive. My little sister would beat me up right now if I did not say cheerleading is one of the most <laughs> difficult sports to play. Um, and I get that. And you guys have a amazing gymnastics squad so I was trying to do both of those things and I just don't have the body or anything cut out for it so sometimes you know you just have to realize where your strengths are but when I first watched you play I was like my goodness she's so smooth the game just looks like it comes so easy to you I don't know how much you sweat like when Michaela plays I'm like, she's got to be drenched at the end of the game because she is going for every rebound. Like she is out there like a monster. You are so, you seem so cool, calm and collect in the way you play. And I mentioned your three point shooting. Like, what would you say is your specialty? If I was someone that's just getting to know Charisma's game, how would you describe it? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I definitely like to shoot the three, so definitely that but I also like to drive and attack the basket uh, you know the little combo because if you can shoot then you just go right past them when they try to block the shot but yeah I feel like 
low-key I'm like more of like a silent killer like silent assassin like I I feel like I give off those vibes you definitely get off those vibes because I was like okay who is this girl that's about to put up a smooth 20 which you have done a number of times this season and she's not even sweating like I need her to be on our podcast all right so as we look at the big picture for UCLA you've got when over Stanford, you guys have beat Oregon, like you've got so much momentum. Um, where do you feel like you guys have to improve down the stretch of this season? And like, what do you talk about as far as your goals? Yeah, I think for us, just the main thing is just, I think we just need to be a lot more consistent, like throughout all four quarters. Like, I feel like sometimes we have like highs, like where we're scoring like 26 points in a quarter. And then the next quarter, it's like, 10 points so I think we just need to be like more consistent with that and like we have a new offense this year so we're still like working on like just getting used to that Um, but definitely just being more consistent and we have like goals for each game like we I think it's like we get 70 plus passion plays and like we have rebounding goals where we have to get 45 percent of our offense rebounds and 75 percent of our defensive rebounds Um, So I think we've really just been trying to focus on that um, and just like get those small goals because our coaches do a great job of the scouting report and like we know the scouting report, but we know that if we do those other things, we can really get the win. Um, But yeah, just our goals for the season is to, you know, play our hardest and we're trying to win Pac-12 championship, uh, trying to make it to the final four and hopefully win a NCAA championship. Who makes the most passion plays? Oh, um, my teammate, Cameron Brown, she, okay. she's like a passion player of the century. <laughs> she is the one. Yeah. That passion play, that sounds like something that Coach Close would come up with. Like that totally <laughs> is in her wheelhouse. She's so creative. Now, unfortunately, we did not have charisma on the show post the Bruins conversation upcoming with Gabrielle Union on Monday. Oh, Tarika. But um, tell our fans a little bit about how that happened because I remember seeing some tweets coming through you guys are trying to get Gabrielle uh, to to come and visit with the team tell me about it yeah so a lot of us on the team love Gabrielle Union and me and my teammates um, we do this thing called Bruin Table Talk where we have like hard conversations about like race and like black excellence and all of the things that black people experience or not even just black people. We had our teammate Natalie Cho on um, talking about her experiences being Asian American, but um, for black history month, we decided that we just wanted to go big. And we are like, we love Gabrielle. Like we love Carrie champion. We have to get those two on. And um, coach Shannon, she was like, so do you guys have like a plan B? Like if you don't get them, we're like, yeah, no, no plan B. Like, we're gonna get them. Like, these are the people we want. So we decided to use social media to try to get um, Gabrielle. And we tweeted her on Twitter. And we asked a couple of our friends um, to like help retweet the staff help retweet. And finally, the next morning, um, she quoted my tweet back and she responded and said that I got you. So we've been in touch with her and yeah, we're super excited to have her on. Um, it's gonna be super amazing. She's like one of our favorite actresses. So we're super excited. Yeah, I love the whole more than a dream initiative. Um, d- diversifying, reveal, educating, advocate, motivate. I think what you guys have been doing is just 
Incredible. And you're having these conversations, I know, in the wake of the death of, of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor as your way of kind of advocating for racial justice. And you have talked to some pretty interesting people, from what I understand. Baron Davis, is that right? Earl yes. Watson, Christine Simmons, who I absolutely adore. And then is, are y'all going to get Gabrielle Union and Carrie Champion on the same talk? Yes. Oh my are. goodness. Yes, girl, you're gonna have every team in the country. So jealous of you guys. All right, Charisma. Well, we have ran our mouths uh, with you and and asked way too many questions already, but I do have to put you through our rapid fire question session. Are you ready for that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Are you sure? Yes, I'm okay. so excited. All That's right. And question number one. Who is your favorite WNBA player? Ooh, um, Diana Taurasi. Two guard or point guard? Two guard. Your favorite team in the Pac-12 to beat? Ooh, Oregon. Go-to move when your team is in a crunch and the game is on the line? Um, in and out, pull back, cross. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. All right, last but not least. If there was one thing that you could get done before the game, would it be your nails, your eyelashes, or your hair? Ooh, that's hard. Um, definitely my hair. I think my hair, yeah. <laughs> I see you looking fresh out there, so I had to ask. I was like, okay, she looks like she keeps it fresh, so I got to throw this in here. All right, good job on the rapid fire. Wonderful yeah. job. Well, we um, have enjoyed watching you play this season and thank you for your time today. Even though me and uh, Tariqa were on CP time, we appreciate your patience and hang in there. I know it hasn't been an easy season with COVID and um, all that you guys have had to face. And matter of fact, before we close, um, you know, just give the fans an idea of what this year's experience has been like in COVID from a student athlete perspective. Yeah, it's definitely been very different, um, especially in California. Things have been shut down for a while now um, and we don't get to go to class. All the classes are online. So mainly just me and my teammates, we go go to the gym in the morning um, and then come back to our apartments every day. And like, it's pretty similar every day and every week, but we try to do things together to like, just change it up a little bit. Like the other night we made gumbo and it had a movie night so that was super fun um but yeah it's pretty similar every night and it obviously especially for the freshmen it sucks because they don't get the real college experience their first year um but hopefully things will clear up pretty soon and things will get back to normal and we can go back to being regular student athletes but i love the fact that you guys are finding ways to entertain each other, to still have fun. It sounds like you still have the party room. So there are a lot of things that are still going well, despite it all. But no, in all seriousness, we appreciate the sacrifice you are making and put keep putting on for Moreno Valley, yeah. Valley girl. Yeah. Yes, keep putting on. All right, Charisma. Well, we enjoyed our time with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, basketball fans. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening to LaChina sit down with Pablo Torre from the ESPN Daily Podcast and talk 
all things women's basketball. And we also want to say thank you to Charisma Osborne for joining us this week on the show. Remember, you can always listen and subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your podcast. Rate and review us on Apple if that's your platform of choice. We love seeing your thoughts and your feedback on the show. You can send us an email at aroundtherimpodcast at gmail.com. I am at Sports underscore on Twitter and Instagram. LaChina is at LaChina Robinson on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the show at Around the Rim Pod on Twitter. Thanks again, guys. Be safe. And we will hear from you next week. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.